Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, lovely people. This is yet another Upspiral Grief interview. And today I've got the lovely Dan Goldberg with me here. Hello, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having <laughs> I'm really me. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for your patience with our change in time. I'm really, really happy that uh, Dan and I could make this work and that I've got him live here on the camera. I apologize. I have to apologize for, for um, yeah, my brain is a little bit foggy and my voice is a bit croaky. I've come down with something over the weekend, but I'm giving it my all to be present with you here, Dan. So usually I start off with how Dan and I connected. Uh, Dan actually already interviewed me for his amazing podcast bits of gold we will talk about that in a minute and we met on uh, podmatch which is an amazing platform you really introducing people from all walks of lives to share their stories to be interviewed or to interview people and i have met some really incredible people including you dan so why don't we start with uh, give us a bit of an introduction so our audience knows who you are yeah absolutely well once again thanks for having me on the show Really Not excited to be here. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's great to connect again. I had the pleasure of interviewing you on my show and uh, excited to now share my, my story on, on your show as well. Um, so yeah, we, we connected on Podmatch and a little about me. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur, started my first business when I was 14 years old. Uh, today, <laughs> still run, <laughs> still run mm -hmm. my, own, my own business today. Um, but we're here today to talk about grief. And um, unfortunately, I've lived through a series of uh, unfortunate events. I lost my mm -hmm. dad when I was 20 years old to a mm -hmm. rare cancer. Uh, my mm -hmm. mom, uh, five years later to, uh, an even ra rarer cancer. Mm -hmm. And, um, outside of that, I've also <clears throat> lived through losing, uh, grandparents and aunt, uh, Pat. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've lived through a significant amount of loss by, uh, before turning, I'm 28 now. So before turning 20 years old, uh, but we're really here to focus on, grief as it relates to my grief journey with my dad and, and my mom. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, accumulated grief is just something that is doing incredible things to people. And uh, I have to say in the work that I'm doing and that, and that I, you do, that you are doing these days, I've come across so many different stories and I can tell that no stories alike. You know, everybody's journey of grief is just as unique as the person experiencing it. I, I keep saying that. And it certainly shows with what you are doing with it. This is really what drew me to you. This is really what made me think like, I so need to talk to this person. I want to connect with you. Um, Tell us how you actually dealt with it back then, because what you did with it in the very first place is probably very different to what you do with it right now. And there was just such a short amount of time in between. So let's start with, with the beginning of it. Um, what was life like for you before losing your parents? Can you give us a bit of an insight of Dan Goldberg before all the yeah, hit you? Absolutely. So I'm trying to think of where to start um, but, you know, really before I grew up in a very, fortunately, in a very happy uh, childhood, I would say really like life was a blessing in, in the sense mm. that I knew no, I, in terms of my childhood, I knew no hardship, really didn't, mm. um, you know, there, there were things here and there in terms of um, 
growing up that um, maybe, you know, that, that, that had taken place, uh, like, like I had mentioned, losing, losing, I lost the grandma when I was relatively young. Um, mm. My aunt passed away relatively young, but really for the most part, I would say I didn't know hardship as a kid. Um, mm. We fortunately, you know, I had, I had a lot in terms of, um, in terms of my, my, the way I grew up, I just, you know, like we just knew happiness as, as kids. I have two older sisters and mm. um, we lived a very, happy, fun childhood where we got to travel with my, with my parents. We got to experience a lot of things. Um, and That's beautiful. really just, really just grew up in a very, <clears throat> really just su- such a happy place. And, um, I think for, for me, I always like to share this story just to give you a little bit of, or just level set in terms of what my perspective was like prior to, prior to loss and prior to significant yeah. loss. So when I was in college, I, I ended up choosing to go to a college that um, last minute I chose to go to a really small college. I don't even know in hindsight why I ended up going there, but I chose to go to this college. And um, like the, the first day I got there, I realized I made a huge mistake. This isn't really where I wanted to go. Oh, and no. I called my mom <laughs> and I'm like, "Uh oh, I made a huge mistake. I'm at this college. I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? And I, I tried to basically within, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a little bit of a shot. I stayed there for an extended period of time and mm. nothing, nothing really got better. So I told my mom, I'm going to leave. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get out of here. So I applied to this, to a different school that I wanted to go to. Mm. And I got, I ended up getting rejected. Mm. And I remember calling my mom and I said, wow, life is so unfair. And mm. I was crying. And at that point, that was the hardest thing in my life that I had ever experienced. And I remember my mom telling me that, you know, in, in that moment, she, she levels out with me and she said, this isn't unfair. This isn't life being unfair. This is just a bump on the road. And at that time we had a close family friend who was a year older than me, who was recently diagnosed with cancer and fortunately is okay today. But she said, you know, that that's unfair. That's life being unfair. This is just a bump in the road. And at that that moment, you know, it didn't really, um, thank you. Yeah, it definitely didn't really sink in. Uh, but, you know, mm. following, you know, so I like to look back at that. And, and I, I like to share that just because that sort of gives you and uh, your listeners a sense of where where I was at mentally yeah. and what the hardest thing in my life at that point had really been. If that's my, the, yeah. you know, the hardest in my life, I lived a, a really a, a, a privileged, a privileged life growing up. So yeah. Um, you know, obviously a lot changed a couple of, only a couple of years later, but, um, mm. that was sort of my life before, before loss. Now everything changed. I ended up, um, staying at the college for two years, working hard, ended up having the chance to reapply to a bunch of schools two years later mm. and ended up getting into Syracuse, which is where I ultimately ended up uh, yeah. transferring to and going into my junior year. It seemed like everything was going great. And uh, my my parents drove me to Syracuse. They dropped me off, and I'm there for the first couple of a uh, couple of months, uh, late August till November. And my dad traveled for for work, and uh, it was around Thanksgiving when we had Parents Weekend. And my my dad had just gotten back from a trip overseas in China, and he said he wasn't feeling so good, but he said he's still going to try to make it to Parents Weekend. And he ended up coming, and he looked like really. He looked sick, but at that point, no one knew what was really wrong with him. 
Yeah. Uh, he thought maybe he was coming down with the flu, but he was very pale, like pale mm-hmm. in skin and low energy. Yeah. And we went to a football game and he was wearing a, um, it was hot in there. Like everyone was sweating and he was wearing a, a coat and he's like, I'm freezing. Yeah. So oh, wow. we went to the game and then on the way home, um, like we, we went to go and get a bite to eat. And in the morning we went to get breakfast and he's like, this was just like the first day of the weekend. So he's like, you know, I'm really not feeling good. We're going to yeah. head home. So they ended up leaving and instead of going home, they went to the hospital and he ended up getting a lot of tests and um, they thought originally maybe he got something from traveling overseas, but what the test came back showing that he had cancer and he ended up calling me. I was at school and he said, you know, I have to tell you something. I have, I have cancer. He said, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to see the, the best doctors in the world. We, we, we live in, in Long Island. So just outside of Manhattan and he ended up going to, um, so he ended up telling me that he's going to be okay. My, I have uh, all my uncles, a lot of my uncles are doctors. So my uncle ended up calling me, he said, your dad's going to see the best doctors in the world and he's going to get treatment. And there was a very positive spin. Um, when my dad was, was, was diagnosed. And basically for the next, my, my dad ended up passing away seven months later and the cancer was really aggressive Mm. and, you know, basically, um, I was away at school, but whenever I come home, whether it be a holiday or I would Mm. just start coming home to see him, he was always getting worse and worse and worse. So, um, I remember the first time I came home, he was skinny. The next time I came home, he was using a walker. The next time Mm. I came home, he we put like an electric, uh, well, an electric chair to go from the yeah. first floor to the second floor in yeah. the house. The next time I came home, he was couldn't get from, go from the bed to the bathroom without being completely out of breath. And um, I, you, you know, the cancer was quite rapidly. Yeah, when you don't yeah, see and, somebody on a regular basis, yeah. And he and he definitely tried to shelter me from uh, mm. his own sickness, and that was you know like his his choice. He didn't want to put me. He wanted to protect me as much as possible. And, you know, it's, it's always Let's funny see. now looking back um, because the experience with my mom and her being sick was so drastically different, but mm-hmm. um, he wanted to protect me as much as possible. And um, yeah. And then basically leading up to his, his, his actual death, um, I, because I was so like sheltered and protected from what was really going on. I, at yeah. that point, didn't even think that death was in the cards. Um, wow. I really never thought that he was going to die. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but you ask at the, you asked the beginning, you know, what was life like before that's how yeah. naive I was, right? Like my dad mm-hmm. was here dying, but I really, yeah. I didn't have the slightest clue. And, yeah. um, days before he died, um, he ended up sitting me down. This was like Friday, he ended up sitting me down mm-hmm. and he went to the hospital cause he had he had a lot of pain in his hip and um, mm-hmm. he went there to get some radiation done on his hip. So we went there, he checked in. I think the radiation was on Saturday and he sat me down Friday late in the day. And he's like, um, and I was supposed to be going that weekend away to Boston for a work trip. And he sat me down mm-hmm. and he said, yeah, the, I spoke to the doctor today. There's nothing more. They've done everything they can for, the cancer. There's nothing more they can do, but they're going to radiate my hip and we're going to go on one more big family trip. And we're going to try to 
he didn't say I'm going to die. He just said, you know, we're yeah. going to go home or family trip. And he kept it very positive. Yeah. And I said, so should I stay here this weekend? Should I go away? And he said, mm-hmm. nothing is going to change between now and when you come back on Sunday. And yeah. um, Saturday, so I gave him a kiss goodbye. I said, I love you. Um, and Saturday morning, they gave him radiation to his hip. And Sunday, my mom called me and she said, uh, you should come home. I was in Boston. She said, you should come home. Uh, dad, dad's going to die. And that was the first time where, you know, I, 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 I realized that my yeah. dad was actually going to die. And when I got, when I got to the hospital, he was already on a ton of morphine, just sort of like laying there, um, mm-hmm. making, I don't know, you know, for sure people who tune in might have had lost someone to, to cancer. So, you know, they, they're, my dad was making a lot of bizarre noises from the morphine yeah. from all the drugs. And, yeah. um, you know, I went into the room, I collapsed because I, I couldn't even comprehend that he was going yeah. to die. And that was the beginning of, uh, he ended up dying later that day. And that was, um, the beginning of my, my journey into significant loss and, and grief. Yeah. This is incredible. I, I want to thank you, first of all, for sharing this so openly and, and quite raw actually. And it, it really has brought back a lot of, uh, memories also from my dad. I was 20 when my dad passed from cancer and I had, quite a few conversations with him and a lot of them were a bit similar to yours and also when you said you know you feel that you're so naive in that but it's not even uh the naivety it's it's that you you grow up so sheltered from all of that you know you never had anything to do with such um close loss and uh having these conversations I think I just thought this is really beautiful, I have to say, and some might wonder why, but for me, it was like from a parent's perspective, you know, because you do want to shelter your children. You do want to um, see them have hope because this is also your hope. You are clinging on to hope and you are clinging on to hope uh, till you actually know that there's nothing else they can do. And even then you're still clinging on to hope. That's just, you know, how... I have experienced that a lot through the stories that I heard over the years, through the stories that I have experienced myself. Um, there is a saying in, in, in German that says, that translates to hope dies last. And it really mm. rings so true, you know, when you think about that. And I believe as a parent, there's nothing more that than you want your children to believe that everything will be fine and that you don't want to see your children in pain before it really is absolutely necessary and that you can't change anything. So for you to come to terms with that or not even come to terms with it, to understand that your dad will be dying so late in a story is actually, um, you know, just so, such a testimony to the love your dad had for you to not mm. want to see you suffer, you know. That, that, that's yeah. just the perspective that I see it from. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting chills hearing you say that. It's it's interesting because, you know, hope, hope is... Um, Hope is definitely, it's, it's funny hearing you say that and hearing your perspective around it, because with my mom, the, the, the experience was so drastically different for me because I was so acutely aware to what's possible. And where with my dad, I, I thought, um, you know, I really thought that he was going to live. I thought that this is cancer. And, you know, we knew, I knew, I knew people who had cancer and died at that point, but I also knew plenty of people who had cancer and lived. So, um, you can know, I that be very is, direct here. 
Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a very direct question because this is something that I have experienced quite a bit after my dad passed from cancer. Did it actually completely flip for you? Did you, when you heard uh, that your mom had cancer, instantly go into, my goodness, this could happen? Did you go from believing the best to believing the worst? Or was there still hope? I didn't necessarily that think that. Uh, you know, it's it's not that I, I instantly was like, this is, this is hope, we're hopeless here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm happy to dive into my mom's story as well, um, yes, if, if you'd like that as well. But yeah, just before, before that, t- okay, so just, but just to answer your question, mm-hmm. I would say that I was just more aware of what was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still very, I was, I was hopeful, but the hope quickly, um, de- the hope quickly de- de- was depleted very quickly once I yeah. realized, you know, what was going on. But yeah. um, so my mom, my mom is drastically um, different. So mm. Just to give you a little bit of context leading up to um, my, my mom being diagnosed. So mm. my dad passed away. We, you know, like, like, like the only thing that you can do, and I'm sure we'll get to that later in the show, is start to move, move forward, right? Like that is, mm. and, you know, first we, we grieve together. Uh, my family really stuck together. And I would say, if anything, we, we became the 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 closeness in my family i would say it was like more we stuck mm. together like lou and we said you know yeah. really without saying I we're going to get through this yeah <laughs> without saying we're going to get through this that that's sort of just what we what we did and mm. it took several years you know a lot of holidays birthdays there was always the silence in the room the the feeling mm. that someone that my dad was was missing that his, his physical presence wasn't in the room and that was that was that brought its own challenges, but I would say really like going on to year four, year five, or really year four, um, it felt as if my family was just sort of like getting back onto our feet. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I felt, I felt like a lot of my own personal focus after my dad had passed was very much focused on my mom, taking care of my mom, helping my mom. And um, really like, just as I felt like things were starting to get the new normal of my family was was getting to this place of happiness again and the holidays mm-hmm. didn't feel so so raw and hurtful um mm-hmm. and that's that's sort of when things took a turn for for the worse and um so with my mom i was i i volunteer every single year for the last 9 years with an organization experience camps which is a free one week camp for kids that have lost a loved one and mm-hmm. i went away to um to georgia with a childhood friend who also lost his dad growing up and I recruited him to the camp. So I called my mom like during the week and I'm telling her, Oh, it's so awesome. My friend's having the the greatest time. The kids are all amazing. And, um, it was in hindsight. I now, when I look back with my mom, she was like a little bit hard to reach during the week and things like that, which is very unlike her. Um, Mm -hmm. but so the camp that, that we went to that year was in Georgia. We went, we drove from New York, to Georgia, and on our way back home from Georgia, New York, um, you know, that's like a full day of driving. We, mm. we got home pretty late and I went to sleep and I wake up in the morning and I'm very excited to tell my mom about the, the last week at this camp okay. and yeah. all the kids we helped. And I woke up first and my uncle was visiting and, um, my uncle woke up second. We're hanging out on the couch, telling him about the week. And it's, it's unlike my mom normally, like she would be the first one up and she was still sleeping, which 
I didn't really think anything of it. And a couple of weeks prior, she had a gall, gall, like emergency gallbladder surgery. Cause they said she had a, mm-hmm. a gallstones yeah. and she just never really like recovered from that operation. Mm-hmm. My mom ended up coming down the stairs in my house and she, she sat down next to me and she said, um, you know, she said, I, I have, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Um, mm-hmm. but she said, we're going to get through this and we're going to be okay. And, um, what she told me at the time was she kept showing me her nails and she would say, you know, my, my nails are so strong and we're going to, we're going to be okay. And I guess, you know, she was showing me that her nails were, they looked healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I remember just similarly, like when I, when I accepted that my dad was going to die, I remember sitting in the, the hospital room, just sort of shaking my head in disappointment and in disbelief almost. And yeah. that's, that's where I went back to just immediately. Like <clears throat> I could not believe that this is, this was really happening. And I ended up sort of falling into uh, falling into my mom's lap and just hysterically crying. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 I gave her a hug. I kissed her. Yeah. I said, I, I love you. And um, later that weekend, um, you know, she's, they didn't diagnose her yet. They just said, you have cancer. They didn't d- determine what cancer was. Yep. She was supposed to go in early next week for some tests. And she ended up, um, she ended up not, she ended up not being able to like keep any food down. She started throwing up. She really didn't feel good. So we took her to the hospital, um, like literally the next day. And from when we checked her in, she never, she never left the hospital. So she was there for, yeah. uh, like two and a half months and never left the hospital. And it was really a torturous experience because they weren't able to diagnose the cancer. Um, they went, they went back and forth, changing the diagnosis and eventually, um, they ended up getting her to like one chemo treatment. The chemo treatment was, was brutal. She ended up being in excruciating pain and I was sitting in the room with her and she's, she's yelling at the top of her lungs because she was in so much pain. And, you know, there were a lot of moments like that. And she went through, uh, two emergency surgeries where they said, we don't know if you're going to survive the surgery. She ended up living through both. Um, and after two and a half months, she ended up, she ended up passing and they said, you know, similarly, they said, there's nothing that we can do for, for this cancer. And she, she was diagnosed with undifferentiated pleomorphic sarcoma. And from what I understand is that that cancer is undifferentiated. So it's very rare. There's not really a, uh, since it's undifferentiated, there's the cancer Mm -hmm. hasn't decided what type of cancer it wants to become yet. So there's no, there's no real like treatment or protocol for that. And, um, so with my mom, the, the experience was completely different in the sense that I, I knew from the beginning when we got to the hospital that death was a part of death was a real possibility here. Yeah. I knew that in a best case scenario, even if they are able to treat her and like, she's able to see some, um, positive, positive, uh, result from the treatment. It's about extending her life, not keeping her alive and getting rid of the yep. cancer. So I knew that that was really out of the cards pretty quickly. Yeah. So when you brought up hope before, you know, it's, it's, mm. it, it's, it's funny hearing you say that because I, I, I so wanted to be hopeful for my mom, but I also was mm. so realistic about yeah. what we were actually what dealing is, with what and, is possible. and what was, yeah. 
exactly yeah i so hear you dan and i i also you know i love that you mentioned um the experience camp because we have something quite similar here in australia for kids that have experienced uh, the loss of one or both the parents and that's uh, Camp Magic you know it's an organization called Feel the Magic so I think it's it's incredible that you volunteer for that and uh, also thank you so much for sharing both your stories it's it's incredible when you when you hear that from an outside perspective and the memories it has brought back for me you know the things that you think and the hope that you cling on to and uh, naive or not naive you, you do want your parents to live you know you don't want to see death as, as an option and I always say in hindsight, that's when we learn so much from the actual moment that we're walking through. You know, in hindsight, I saw so many signs, even for my husband, although my husband passed so unexpectedly, it was a brain aneurysm. So there was no opportunity or no option at all to even prepare for that. Nobody could see that coming. But in hindsight, there were signs. There were things that I felt that I didn't want to pay attention to, etc. Um, I'd love to ask you a little bit about that how because I understand that everyone's faith is completely different and every, everybody believes in different things in terms of afterlife or not or religious or spiritual beliefs um, do you have that connection with your parents still now where you feel you are being guided you are being held you are being sent signs from them or not so I would love to say yes, but I feel not, I feel no, um, okay. but I do, I do, you know, there are things that like happen where I feel, I do feel connected to my, my mm. parents, but um, I would say I've become, I would say I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I feel like I'm not, I don't necessarily see the signs or see signs mm. from uh, or feel like, you know, oh, that's my parents sending me a message yeah. or things like that. Yeah. Um, I would say that I, I took after my mom passed, I took a very matter of fact way of living. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, um, I remember like I, I went into the park with my uncle one day when my mom was in the hospital and, you know, he said, we have to remain hopeful. We have to keep praying and we have mm -hmm. to remain hopeful. And I remember telling him, you know, we should remain hopeful for my mom, but, mm. um, I don't personally, and you know, this is, uh, not to, not to like get into religion or things like that, but I said, you know, and you can pray, you could pray if that's what you feel is going to help you and might mm -hmm. help my mom pray, you know, but I said, we have to also just be realistic about what's going on here. Mm. And I would say that that is very much what I became like acutely aware to and about when, when my mom was sick was just the, you know, like my mom had a terminal diagnosis. Mm. Nothing could have changed the cards that we were dealt. Yeah. No prayer could have changed it. Um, <clears throat> just that, that, that was, that was just, it was just, you know, it's, it's sort of like a matter of fact. And I remember mm. I, in the park with my uncle, I said, it's sort of like if we're on a plane crash and the plane is going down and the plane yeah. is going to crash, you can pray mm. and you can, you can beg to, God or whoever, whatever you believe in, you know, but the, the circumstance and the cards you're dealt in that moment aren't going to change. Mm -hmm. They're going to be what they're going to be. And if that plane's going down, you're going to die because you're on that plane. Yeah. So that is sort of like how I felt with, with my mom. And it made me, it made me really take this approach to 
you know, you, you, you can't control the cards you're dealt. You can only, I know there's that famous, that famous book. You can only control the, the, the way you play the hand. Right. And mm. I feel like that's very much, it's just, it's it. just such a true statement, right? You know, you, yeah. n- no one can control. Um, I, I was reading something today that I just really liked, but um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it was very much around the same, uh, the same idea around we like you, you don't get to choose how, how the cards are, the circumstances you're put in. The only thing you get yeah. to choose is how you sort of play, how you sort of navigate yeah. life during that moment and after that yeah. moment. Yeah. And that's it. I, so I that's, that's what more. I focused yeah. on. I really love that you say that because I often say, you know, and I, I picked it up as well. Like in the beginning of our, our interview, you said something around, well, we have to move forward. You know, there's no other way. I often say that not to correct you at all, because I, I fully agree with you. Yet I often say that for people to actually own um, how they're playing the cards and not say, well, I had to. No, you didn't have to. You chose to. And that's really incredible mm-hmm. that you did that, because there are a lot of people who don't choose to move forward or who don't make a decision at all, which also is a decision per se, if that makes sense, and don't move forward. And they do stay in the pain, in the suffering, or go down uh, a really dark road in terms of depression or alcohol, or sometimes even suicide. So there are other options, none that I would choose, but people do choose other options. So I want to honor those who don't choose these roads down into darkness or, um, you know, taking that into their own hands in terms of ending their lives. And that is a, a very sad, but very true reality that we are living in. So when somebody says, well, I had to for my kids or I had to because the only way is forward, I always respond back because like, no, you chose to. And I want to honor that in you. I want you to honor that in you, that you chose to move forward. So in terms of that, I also am a big believer, you know, that we can choose how we respond to the cards that we've been dealt with, how we play that hand. I really like that comparison. And as you said, you know, as a previous flight attendant, I love that comparison when you said when the plane's <laughs> going down, the plane's going down. There's nothing you can do about it. I understand that. Uh, you know, from a faith perspective, you can still pray for survivors. Absolutely. You know, you just don't know if there are or aren't going to be survivors in a plane crash. So there's also different circumstances. However, I want to talk about the choices that you made, Dan, and uh, I would love to know how and when that triggered the birth of Bits of Gold, your podcast. Can you share a little bit about that? How and when did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. So with bit, with Bits of Gold, I would say a lot of my a lot of my personal focus and like life's mission came about after my mom's passing. And I would say, so again, you know, I, I sort of, and I'm sure someone else has used this, this, this analogy on your show before, but I always say with, with, with grief and loss, it's like your, your life is uh, you, you rebuild yourself back up from, from loss. And um, in, in, in my circumstance, it's, it's almost like I've had this unique, opportunity where I went from uh, rebuilding my life after my dad died. And I would say a lot of my focus then became my mom. And it really became how do I take care of my mom? How do I focus around helping my mom? How do I, I just want my mom to be happy. And that's where a lot of my action was coming from. When my mom died, that was the first time in my life where uh, really, I would say in five years, and in a meaningful way, I looked introspectively and said, 
Like, what does Danny want? What do I want to do for myself? And what do I want my life to look like? And for me, it was so obvious that what I wanted was to help others who who were grieving, help others who are navigating adversity and Mm -hmm. not necessarily learn to to build resilience, but just to be, be happy and to find meaning and purpose in their life. And that's sort of what birthed uh, my desire to mm. launch my podcast, Bits of Gold, and, and help others. And it's very much, you know, a huge part of my, my focus, energy, and emphasis today is trying to have impact in the world and help mm. people find more meaning and purpose in, in their own life and use my, my own story and experience of grief as um, a, a beacon of hope for others to help inspire them and to know that, you know, that life is hard, life is challenging, but yeah. uh, we all have it within us to move forward in the face of diversity and ultimately build and live a purpose-driven life. So um, that's, that's sort of like what, what, what birthed it. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been going with the podcast now? Where can people find you? I'm going to get yeah. you to share all the links underneath the interview later on, but, but tell us where, where you yeah, so you, that. You, the podcast I've been doing for um, a year, really like a, around like a year and a couple of months now um, yeah. we're over a hundred episodes in, we do mm-hmm. one episode a week and um, the podcast is, yeah, it's, it's been an awesome ride so far, but the mm-hmm. podcast is focused a lot more on, uh, stories of navigating adversity, building resilience, yeah. and ultimately building and living a purpose-driven life. And you can find it at bitsofgold.co. And the podcast mm-hmm. is called Bits of, the Bits of Gold Podcast. And mm-hmm. we're on everywhere where you could watch or listen to podcasts. I absolutely love this. I love when people actually do choose to move forward, you know, when they choose life and when they choose to actually do something with that message that they have learned you know I often uh, in my movement talk about the gifts of adversity and you have certainly found them you know you can see with the bits of gold that to me it's just a a a different way of calling it you know the the gifts in adversity I think you certainly have shared a lot about that which I really love I love hearing about your stories and how you have decided to move forward with that Um, do you actually have siblings yeah, I have two two older sisters. How are they going? Um, yeah, well, they both they both recently became parents, so that's that's mm-hmm. an exciting um, life moment for each of them. But Uncle yeah, it's Danny. been you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, I think you know it's 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 interesting because um, you know we I see that like we we've all really stuck together in terms of just like life after mm. after loss and um i i want to i do want to um just give speak about this for a moment so i have yeah, i have a lot of aunts uncles cousins and mm-hmm. um i do feel extremely grateful blessed lucky fortunate my my aunts and uncles have like my family still gets together as if my mom was still alive and in many ways, it feels as if my mom was sort of like the glue that kept everyone together. Mm. And, um, you know, whenever I see my aunts and uncles and we, we uh, like recently, my, my uncle flew in from a couple of my uncles flew in from out of town. And, um, mm. you know, it's it's 
it's interesting when I look at that from sort of a, a 30,000 foot view. And I, I sort of pinch myself because I know how lucky the, the, I am to be and, and grateful I am that my family is stuck together through yeah. these significant losses. And I feel especially, um, you know, when, uh, you know, when, when you lose your parents, it's like your parents, siblings. So my aunts and uncles, you know, their, mm. their first degree connection is obviously their sibling. And yeah. I feel when, when that happens, a lot of times families, a lot, a lot of things can change. Right. And, uh, I think communication is obviously so important just in terms of navigating some of those tough conversations to make sure that everyone sticks together. But, mm. um, even more so, I would say that like the, the glue from my, sure. I have, I have a close relationship with my aunts and uncles, but the glue was really my, my mom and dad. And then it's, you know, mm. us, their nieces or nephews. Um, but, you know, I know that I, I sometimes think, you know, knowing that my, both my parents died, not saying that my, my aunts and uncles would ever do this, but it's like, you know, the, they, they had their own choices to make, right. Do they want to yeah. step up and, and be there for myself, my sisters. And uh, that's exactly what they did. And I, I, I think it's, remarkable. And I think that that's had a tremendous impact on, um, you know, my, my own view on the uncle that I hope to be one, you know, to, to my sister's kids. And, um, even to like, uh, you know, close friends, I, I just see how my family stepped up really big to, to be there for yeah. myself, my sisters. And I, th I think there's a lot of lessons and, um, and bits of gold in, in that, because, you know, I think that there's, there's really a lot of opportunity to, uh, it's, it's left a huge impression on me and on how, how you're supposed to be as, as just a, yeah. a family member, a friend, um, and, and a human being. I cannot thank you enough for sharing that because unfortunately it is not, uh, just the norm that that happens. You know, very often you hear about it at the funerals and I'll always be there for you and support you and what else not. And then, uh, in, in real life, it doesn't happen as much. Unfortunately, I've seen that a lot. Uh, from my own experience, my entire family fell apart after my dad passed away, unfortunately, which is quite sad. When it took me years to let go of, I have to repair this. I have to be the one. I have to become the glue because I wasn't and I just am not. And it is also not my responsibility as much as I tried. And to learn from that and to let go of that was a huge, huge lesson for me. And then when Rob died, my husband, uh, it was complete opposite, you know, Flinded and I really like we're such a strong unit, the three of us together, which is really beautiful. So I've seen both sides of the story and I've certainly seen a lot of um, family members making promises that were not kept. And I'm not going to mention any names here because I don't want to offend anyone. Mm. Um, but there are lessons in all of that. And to, to hear from you, you know, to take that as a learning opportunity and as a really beautiful example of who you want to be as an uncle, this really touches my heart. I think this is really beautiful and I can't thank you enough for sharing that because I think that, uh, or my hope is that for some people listening to this, that they might learn from you and take you as an example or as a reminder of what they could do in um, their people's lives. So. Dan, thank you so much for being here. I, I really appreciate what you have shared here. And um, for anyone listening to this, we will be sharing the links of Dan's podcast as well in the comments in the interview below. So you can actually find and listen 
to what he has to share i really encourage you to subscribe and follow dan i love what you do dan it's, it's absolutely beautiful is there any final words that you would like to share before we go um yeah you know one one thing that i always like to to share is the biggest gift that grief has given me or the biggest lesson that that i've i've gained as a result of the losses in my life mm-hmm. and that is that and this was really the um, you know, I would say that the, a turning point that came soon after my mom passed, but um, going back to like just being very real with, with the cards that I was dealt and life as a result. One of the things that I immediately recognized after losing my mom was that to me, I believe that life is random. Life, life is fragile and life is precious we don't know how much time we have on this earth. Yeah. You know, the only thing we do know is the only thing we can control is how and where we spend that limited time that we're given. And that's where I choose to focus my energy, how I want to spend today, not why this happened, Mm. but rather what I'm going to do now as a result. So, you know, knowing that I'm going to, knowing that I too am going to die, I like to try to focus around how do I want to spend the limited time that I know I have on this earth? So mm. that's what I choose to wake up to every single day and think through when, when I start my day, you know, how do I want to spend today and the, the time that I have today? So, um, you know, if, 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 for those that are listening and for those that are tuning in, you know, I think that we can all do a, um, you know, everyone can do a better job of becoming more intentional with their life, knowing mm, that they I too are going to die. And yeah, you know, that's, that's, um, that's something that I would, I, I always like to, to share with, with, uh, people tuning in. Yeah, that's, that's such a beautiful line. I really love it. Becoming more intentional with your life. Thank you so much for that bit of gold. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your precious time with us. I really appreciate that too. And for everybody listening here, we will share Dan's podcast in the comments below once again. So Dan, thank you for your time. This is Marie and Dan signing off. Until next time. Bye for now. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about loving life after loss, please visit marialessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.